right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dismantling the Ivory Tower. I'm your host, Elijah John. I am joined today by Omeka. What's going on, Omeka? How hey, you doing, dog? Chilling, man. Feeling good. Feeling good. really good. Good. It's happy to. I'm happy to have you on. It's great to have you here. Um, you know, so I'm going to ask you the first question that I always ask everybody who comes on this podcast, which is, you know, for those who don't know, uh, you know, who you are and maybe just like want to get a little bit of a feel for you. Could you give me, uh, you know, a little bit of your origin story, who you are, where you come from and kind of like what you want people to know about you just right off the bat? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Well, my name is Omeka. I'm from L.A., right? Born and raised, grew up in Mexico, parts of uh, parts of my life. I come from this uh, hip hop scene called Project Bloat in South Central Los Angeles, where it's it's like a mic, it's like a MC workshop, but in reality, it's 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 it became a cultural hub mm-hmm. um, for hip hop. Uh, still is to this day. So I come from that. Uh, I'm part of a crew called Acid Rain that comes out of Project Bloat, one of the very few, uh, let's say, uh, Mexican or Mexican American or Latinx hip hop crews yeah. to come out of Project Bloat. Um, do a lot of work around around indigenous identity struggles, issues, immigration. You know the the works as yeah. far as as far as liberation, as far as that type of conversation, right? Oh, that definitely. it's it's parallel with my music. So mm-hmm. that's that's who I am. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. You know, you have been called by Grunge Cake. You were called a Latinx musical genius. You know, and we're talking about hip hop. 50th anniversary and hip hop's evolved a lot over the last five decades. Mm. But from your perspective as a Latinx artist, how do you see your influence within this evolution and where do you see Latinx voices in the future of hip hop? Ah, it's a good question, man. Um, it's been a struggle. Yeah. Not going to lie. Being from the West coast, Mm -hmm. being Mexican or Chicano or indigenous, uh, speaking on political topics. Uh, those are like basically three remedies for you not to succeed in hip hop. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, the idea of having to break doors down to to exist mm-hmm. uh, was a real thing, even within the context of hip hop. Yeah, that to me speaks to who's in control of it. Yeah, uh, and so That's a good point. yeah, so what we try to do is really connect from the artist front, right. artist to artist, and build networks in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now we've built enough of a platform. Obviously, there's enough commercial artists that are not only doing stuff in Spanish, but they're also doing stuff bilingual, like bilingual status, right? Where I, I was in an environment where they didn't even know what to do with bilingual music. Right. I mean, they, Noisy was saying something about an interview about me helping spread the, the whole bilingual thing, right? And I'm like, well, shoot, I don't want to help spread it. I wish I could have been that person that was being celebrated. Yeah. But at that time, there wasn't a space for that. There wasn't right. There wasn't a space for bilingual music. So you can see how from the time that I was coming up to now, you can see the, you know, the growth as far as participation is concerned. So Absolutely. I think the, the Latinx... Um, conversation around hip hop is really going to boil down to what how we define hip hop in the future. Mm-hmm. And once we define what hip hop is in the future, or if we if we stay consistent with what hip hop is, then you're going to see an influx of of Latinx people participating more in it because the conversation around uh, black and brown unity, let's say for example, is not only on the West Coast now. You know, if you talk to David D, him and I cons- like constantly talk about how we connect. On that, on that front, how black, right. specifically black and Mexicans on the West Coast, how for all the drama that you might see in the news, there's a lot of beautiful things that are happening on the underground, or I should say on the ground. Yeah. And hip-hop is one of those those 
big vehicles that we use or, or tool or mechanism. You feel me? So absolutely. Yeah, I could see how we're gonna just continue to grow so long as we keep the hip hop not only aesthetic but definition mm-hmm. on point. You spoke to hip hop as a tool. Mm-hmm. You know, you're well known for incorporating elements of social justice and identity politics and and all that important stuff into your music. Um, and in the context of hip hop's 50 year history, how do you think the genre has served as sort of a, a platform for discussing these issues as a tool? Uh, hip hop is no, I mean. The, the one of the biggest mistakes is that we put hip hop in in the conversation with other musical genres. Right. Hip hop is not a musical genre. Hip hop is a culture. Absolutely. And so then, as hip hop is a culture, then it, it has its own conversation. Yeah. And so, with its own conversation, it has its own definition and its own way of you of being used or utilized or really internalized into your being. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a culture. Right. I grew up with with indigenous traditions and culture, so that's embedded in me. Hip hop as a culture is in, it's embedded in me, and so what I do is 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 it's kind of cheesy, right? Everything I do is hip hop, but, but kind of in reality it is though because it's native and it's in, and it's indigenous and it's hip, and it's hip hop. If yeah. if people want to see what that looks like, come to one of my shows. Absolutely. If you want to hear what it sounds like, listen to my music, um, because it's real and it's honest. And so hip hop. For me, more than anything, as a culture, is a safe space. Yeah. Like I like I tell people, it's like, I went to North Carolina. I learned how to be Mexican over there because there weren't any Mexicans. Yeah. So everybody around me told me I was Mexican. Yeah. Um, I didn't learn to be American until I started listening to hip-hop because hip-hop is the thing that accepted me for who I was in, in the American conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, something, now I've done some interviews with David E., Cutting Candy, and and Professor Griff and and something and and now you and something that uh and Jasiri X of course and and all of you guys all of you kind of spoke to how hip hop is is not music only it's a culture it's a spiritual piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle um you know and I think it's important to sort of remember that because like you said a lot of people do sort of just clump it on oh, this you know. Hip hop music, it's it's not just music and it's not just an aesthetic. It's it's right. a lot more than that. And yeah, I seen I seen people I seen people, for example, when they um when you're at a show mm-hmm. and they and they listen to an an artist, I and you look at the crowd, you can hear the crowd going like very, very like, I'm gonna watch this. Nah, I ain't down with that. And then they keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like it's almost like this entertainment piece of like kinda like going to Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Yeah. You're gonna hop into a bar. Listen to the artist, eh, I don't like it, and then you move on to the next one, right? Yeah. That's that's the audience. But us who are the 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 creators, the the cultural creators of hip hop, the song, the aesthetic of the song is is part of the reason as to why I'm presenting it to you. Yeah. So the aesthetic is only for the purpose of drawing you in, but the real purpose as to why I'm saying it is very different. Absolutely. And so that I for me, that's the difference between hip hop and any other genre for that matter. Most definitely. You know, your your music kind of bridges the gap between diverse cultures and styles. You know, um, I went to one of your talks um, on, on hip-hop, and you showed us a video that you did that really just blended. It was like five different parts. Was oh, yeah, was, yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. you just blended a whole lot of styles. Um, I kind of want to know a little bit about your creative process, especially as it kind of relates to balancing the, the history of hip-hop with your Latinx perspective. Damn. Uh, <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. Take your time. Well, the okay. Well, let's starting with that song. Define right. Yeah. It's a it's a five it's a five piece song. 
Yeah. First part, really talking about how mainstream America, let's just say, right, or America as a, um, what I would call as as a project, mm-hmm. how they see Latino, Latinx people, so on and so forth. Yeah. The second part is putting a halt to that. The third part is saying this is actually what we are, and that's how you see bomba music. You see, Wapango Huasteco music, which. If y'all don't know what that is, is this, these are traditional musics from Latin America, right? Afro, yeah. Afro, Puerto Rican, Bomba, Wapango, Huasteco, indigenous from Mexico. Yeah. So then you go like, how are these two worlds connected? Well, it's through the rhythm and it's through migration. And, then, and so what I did was just put the music together so that people can actually hear what that actually sounds like because origin stories are very similar. Yeah. Um, and then the, the fourth part was actually, that's the swag. That's the hip hop. That's like, we're not scared. This mm-hmm. is who we are. We ain't scared of it. This is, we actually ride with this with a lot of pride. Yeah. And then the fifth, the fifth part is like, you want to come into this, you're more than welcome to, but the, what's going to be different now is that we control the narrative. Yeah. We tell you what Latinx is. We that's tell you right. what blackness is. We tell you what hip hop is. You're not going to tell us. Mm-hmm. And so, but you're welcome to come in. So now if you don't walk in, it means that what you wanted to do was be in control of the narrative. Yeah. If you do walk in, it means you might just want to participate in what we got. So it, it, it answers a question, basically, when you approach music in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, I mean, I was really blown away by uh, that Defined video and, and the music um, and, and just how you blended all those genres and melded them together. Mm. Um, I guess another thing I kind of want to ask is how... You know, as you reflect on the genre of hip hop, on the culture of hip hop, how has it shaped you as a human being? You were saying, you know, you live, you breathe hip hop, but like, what does that, what does that mean to you? You, where, where did hip hop come into your life for the first time? How did it come into your life, and and how has it affected you? Yeah, I mean, hip hop again, right? Going back to this idea of identity and and how we exist in that, right? Mm-hmm. Without having to get into, we already know the history of hip hop, right? We know, we know how it started, mm-hmm. we know why it started. And so that spirit carries on, right? So it's not a genre, it's a culture. And through that culture, you get the spirit of that culture. Yeah. And so hip-hop has been, uh, it's been a way for me to to feel good in the spaces that I'm in. Yeah. In the United States. Yeah, most definitely. Without feeling like I have to be something else, right? So if you don't know indigenous culture, most people here that walk around may not know what a Native American person might look like as they're walking and right. and how they approach life. Yeah. How you order your coffee might be different. Right. But if you say hip hop, then there's a there's a connecting factor there. Mm-hmm. And and if if I tell people from Kentucky that I'm I'm a hip hop head, oh, we got hip hop heads too. Boom. There's a connection. Yeah. And so that hip hop might be hella different, might be talking about totally different things that are might seem like they're irrelevant to me. Sure. But the purpose as to why, the spirit of hip-hop, why they're using it, it's the thread. It's the reason why, right? So now I know that you're going through some shit that I'm actually going through as well, and there's a connecting factor there. I might not even like your music, bro, but I'm going to promote it. I'm going to support it. I'm going to be there for you. Aesthetically, I may not be into it, but it's all about what you do, what it's doing for you, and the work that you're doing, and that's what I want to support. Yeah, absolutely. Now... You know, we're here in New Orleans at NCOR, um, National Conference on Race and Ethnicity in Higher Education. Beyond being an artist, a creative, an activist, you're also an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about that? Just your your process in education, um, you know, what you teach your students and, and, you know, why you do it. The first thing I'll tell you about teaching at, at a university is that I learned is that 
especially the topics that I teach. I, I so I teach Latin American studies, mm-hmm. uh, Latino studies, two different ones. Okay. Um, and hip hop and social justice as a class, right? Mm-hmm. So. Latino studies or, or Latin American studies, I should say, it's border south. Latinx studies, border north. Mm. These are two different experiences, right? Generationally, it's very different, right? I grew up in the U.S., so my experience is different than my parents in Latin America. So right. there's a threat there, right? So if we talk about Latinx identity, we got to talk about colonialism. Absolutely. If you talk about colonialism, you got to talk about Latin America and the history of it, right? We have yeah. to know how people and why people migrated. Then now you got Omeka right here rapping chilling with professor griff and this cat's parents came from mexico from a small little town indigenous mm-hmm. or whatnot you see yeah so um it's it's one of those things where i feel like uh the, the thing that i tell my students is that they're not well, i'm not going to teach a subject i'm teaching them about living and breathing communities yeah absolutely. and so as a breathing and a breathing community that's alive and well right now um we can't approach them from a perspective of a subject or we te- we're teaching a topic or a subject, but we're teaching about a community that is alive and well. So by the time my students walk out the door, I want them to, f- I want them to feel like they're better for it. They're better for that community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, my, uh, co-host, Dr. Clifford C. Meeks, uh, has, has joined us in the podcast. Hey, <laughs> what's up? Peace, brother. Peace. Peace, brother. Peace. Good to see you again, man. Good to see you as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was just enjoying the conversation. Of course. (laughs) Now, you know, I, you know, we're we're starting to get into the topic of education and seeing as how you are an educator as well. um, I wanted to sort of bring you into this conversation and allow you to maybe ask Omeka some questions, start some conversations um, so that we could keep this flowing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I really appreciate, first of all, Omeka, that, you know, the way that you, you know, broke down the difference between, you know, Latino studies, I think I heard you say, and then mm. Chicano studies. Is, did or I hear that correctly? Latin American studies. Latin and American and then studies. La- yeah, and then Latino studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah Latin yeah. American studies and Latino studies. Um, <clears throat> you know, and with uh, I'm in a color program, you know, we have a lot of brothers who come in and identify as, you know, whether it's Latinx or Chicano, Americano, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and I think, you know, and I encourage them to take, you know, the Chicano studies courses because mm. I'm like, it's a chance for, I, I try and encourage them to say, that's probably one of the few times you're going to see yourself in the classroom. Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's part, that's part of it. So when we, when I open up my classes, no longer, it's no longer a class. It's, I, I very intentionally say this is a safe space. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm almost on some like, yo, this is a class where you can approach it like this. Ask a Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I'm not interested in you regurgitating the information and what's politically correct. I'm Mm -hmm. interested in you being better for that community when you walk out of my class. Mm -hmm. So if if, if it means you walk away smiling Mm. or crying, but the goal, the end goal is the same, it's, it's coming out of love. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we can approach it that way, that means that you're going to be better for our community. So that, that's the end goal. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. No, that, and, and I, I love how you put that because, know i mean we're at a pwi i mean just straight up and so just telling them that you know just telling encouraging them like hey you know this will probably be one of the few times you see yourselves yeah yeah and because in every other class you're going to have to be more intentional about how you show up Mm. and how you and 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 
really in some cases may even have to, you know, strategically advocate to show like how you show up in the classroom, like who you choose to write about. Right. Bring your, bring yourself into that. You know, just because they gave you some prompts does not mean you have to, you know, speak from a Eurocentric lens. You can speak from the lens of your culture, of your heritage that you wish to bring in, you know, and so, you know, that's what I do my best to be intentional about letting them do. But at the same time, I also don't have the much that I also realize, hmm, I don't, I might not have the backstory. So I hope I'm not talking out of, Mm. out of turn either though. No, nah, so that's that's the thing. So for me, for me, it's almost like a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- these conversations around like black and brown unity and and can black folks tell Latinx folks to something? I mean, Latinx folks can they say something to black folks? Of number one, Afro Latinidad is a very much real thing in our community. Yeah, indigenous communities in the Latinx community is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Hip hop in the Latinx community is a real thing. Absolutely. So so it's it's. Uh, Yo, yes, like if so, if you say that to to a Latinx student, it should be received well. It should it, it, and if it's not, it's simply because there's a block there. In other words, if if we have a black community telling a Latinx community some of the things that can happen in in our space, so that we can get to this this idea of liberation or even sense of belonging, let's just start there. Yeah. A sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be received well because we understand the history and the legacy of blackness in America. (laughs) So if they don't receive it, it's only because they don't understand that legacy. Mm. So now it just becomes an educational process. Now it's, it's nothing more than that. It's not anti-racist. It's not anti-black. It's not anti-indigenous more so than it is just not having the information and therefore the inability to correlate your own life with that one. Mm. Okay. So yeah. So hip hop, that's what it does for us. I have a T-shirt that says "Keep It 200." Somos de aquí, somos de allá. We're from here, we're from there. Mm-hmm. The Latinx community grows up thinking that we ain't from here and we ain't from there, so we're just mm. in the liminal wow. space of nothingness. Wow. We we literally give give up our identity. It's 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 a very it's a very emotional state of being mm-hmm. with regards to your own existence and your identity. And so rather than saying we're not from here or not from there, like I don't belong anywhere. I'm just this romantic thing of, <laughs> me, of me existing in the liminal space, which, which served its purpose. It definitely served its purpose in, in, in the development of our identity. Mm-hmm. But I think now we have to take that spirit and also say, well, actually, we're, we are from here. Yeah. Yeah. But we're also from over there. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not neither. It's both. It's no longer a deficit mind. Right. It's, it's, it's about looking at the at the uh, assets that we have as a community. So, yeah, while some white folks might go and learn Spanish and get a job and get an additional ten, fifteen thousand dollars because now they can translate. Latinx folks are translating documents all day at their jobs with with no extra pay. Exactly. So we might see that as we might see that as like, well, we don't we don't really we can't ask for much because of that sense of belonging. Shit, I just got here to this job. I can't mm-hmm. rock the boat too much. And so then we allow ourselves. We yeah. allow ourselves to be invisibilized because we don't feel a sense of belonging. And so the conversations around hip-hop, the conversations around blackness in America, social mm-hmm. justice work, racial justice work, all of that only helps the Latinx community contextualize their own reality here. And so we got to have more of those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that I'm... I'm I'm more energized around 
in the sense of how to create more solidarity, you know, because our program is more, you know, our program is men of color, mm-hmm. you know, leadership program. And unfortunately, oftentimes most folk, when they when they hear the term men of color, they either think, oh, black or brown. I'm like, yeah, but it, it could involve yeah. anyone who identifies as a person of color pretty much. But what I'm also noticing is how do I... And I say I, but how do I and the you know cadre of people that I that have been supportive of this work, how do we really create solidarity amongst these students mm-hmm. so that no matter where they are in the world, they've got they've bonded with one another, you know, beyond just their collegiate experience. Like no matter where Elijah goes, he he knows that if he calls up uh, Brendan or if he calls up Praise or if he calls, I'm sorry, Wisdom, since he's going wisdom by that name praise. now. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But no matter who he calls from the cohort or no matter like how whoever he sends a text out to, it's like, oh, man, this is a large man. Let me connect with the brother, you know. Yeah. And, and, and similarly, you know, in that sense, like, how, you know, the way you know, and especially doing it in an educational context and educational environment, I'm, I'm finding myself more and more like I, I need to break down more and more or as to use the title of the podcast, dismantle more and more like, you know, the, these these erected barriers mm-hmm. that continue to, you know, placate and perpetuate themselves, right. you know, and sometimes even unknowingly to me. Right. You know, until I actually am like, oh, wait, that that that's not supposed to be in this space here. Yeah. So, you know, witnessing and and, and you know, just really receiving a lot of what you and, and Cutting Candy and everyone else shared, in you know, in the pre-conference was just very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and especially how you, you came about it. You know, I was just like, why? There's a part of me that was like, why didn't I start doing this earlier? Why didn't I start taking these concepts earlier? But I also am resting in the fact, okay, this is the time. And and it's okay that, it, you know, better, better to start now than to go and receive all these blessings from, from you all and just sit on it and never utilize it. So, yeah, like you said, it's, it's there's a time, you know, there's a because there's the politics of it all. Yeah. And then there's the the spirit of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the heart of it all. And I think uh, a lot of this language is very heady. <laughs> yes. We're all up in our heads about this. And the, the spirit will come once in a while and say, like, yo, you got to stop talking and just speak with your heart now. Yeah. Right. You know, in, in our native traditions, we have two things. We have one that says um, we don't say how you doing. You know, you say, like, how are you doing? And then you really mean it, mm-hmm. and you do that look, that face that look like, no, 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 no. How, how, how are, are you, you doing? doing you, know, right. you, even, like, you even do this whole, like, <laughs> yeah. how are you, right? Right. That, to me, that this, mm. in our native traditions, we simply go like this. How is your heart? How is mm. your heart? Wow. That's it. Just, just leave it simple. You may, not, you may not have the answer. People will go like, hmm, yeah, right. That's okay. You stop talking, you start thinking. Now you went in. You right. now your future. I call that the future traveling. Future traveling is when we stop, pause, and we go inward. Right. We don't go further out. We go further in. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and the second thing is 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 to to speak only when we learn to embrace our words with our heart. Mm-hmm. And 
that that simplifies things enough to to now I'm speaking to a human being, mm-hmm. not 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 the politics of the human being that could potentially separate me from from that person. Right. So you could be hella Republican and be all on, on some like public enemy shit just because of the aesthetics of the music. Right. Meanwhile, you got some Mexican kid, gangster ass kid from from L.A. That's all about public enemy because of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. There's got to be a conversation there. Right. And it's hip hop became that bridge and that medium if we can learn to speak with our heart and not our not our mind, because our mind is going to separate us sometimes. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, speaking with your heart, you know, having these conversations, that is that is really the importance of, you know, programs like the MLCLP, uh, the Men of Color Leadership Program that, that yeah. Dr. Meeks. Yeah, runs. break that acronym down, bro, because you can't <laughs> you can't just go. Like, you sounded like you were rapping right now. So, you know, you you mentioned like how you try to create in your classrooms a safe space, you know, and, I, you know, I've always kind of been a little hmm, on that term. But what I heard a term recently that I really liked, which was it's a brave space. Mm-hmm. You come into this space with the courage to speak with your heart. Right. The courage to 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 take a second and go, this is really how I'm feeling. This is really what I'm thinking. This is really what I need to talk about. And in the MLCLP, uh, we are able to sort of talk about those things with people who look like us. Mm-hmm. And that is... That's really powerful, man. That's really that really means something. And, you know, it's it's nice to uh sort of have that space. So I you know, really this what I'm saying here is I just want to shout out Dr. Meeks for for I know you don't like it when I do that, but just for the shout out. Shout out. <laughs> just, just for the ability to, nah. to have that space to connect with 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 people who look like me, especially, mm-hmm. you know, coming from Portland where I for the majority of my time in school, nobody looked like me. And and so that's that's one of those things where it's like that's powerful and that another another word for it could be home home native folks. You know, you you want to be able to be home. I mm-hmm. did an art ex- art installation last year for Encore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what's the art installation? I said, oh, I brought home to, mm. to Encore. Yeah. And what is well, what is that? And then you go safe space, brave space, whatever you want to call yeah. it. But but home. at home at home, you should feel good. Home could be a very internal thing. You could be up in the mountains and feel like you're at home. Uh, so it's it's yeah. it's whether or not you understand the concept of home that then you can carry home with you anywhere you home go. Home is where your heart is. Yeah. So home then is where we you're happy. so we can allow a space, right? A physical space to just be that. Right. And mm-hmm. literally talk, yo, I, I might get in trouble for this, but it the thing about teaching for me is that it's just a space for me to be able to reach out to students so that we can make our communities better. That's what it means to me. Yeah. It doesn't mean a, a upward mobility. It doesn't mean a career. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that this is another space where we can have these conversations in a way that that it's going to be intentional. Yeah. And so if, if that space no longer becomes that, then that can no longer be part of my life. Of course. Because it just doesn't align. Right. So. Right. Yeah, man, that's what we're doing. I think. Look, going back to the conversation around hip hop. Yeah. Uh, what what did hip hop do for me? It allowed me to be myself. It allowed me mm-hmm. to feel like I was at home. Right. So I'm not as I'm not as American as as JFK, but I'm as American as Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. I'm not as American as Donald Trump, but I am as American as Cesar Chavez. Mm-hmm. I'm not as American as country music, but I am as American as hip hop. Right. So right. there is an America. Yeah. There is an America that is for us. That was built by us. The entire thing is the the entire economic system of the United States was built 
on the backs of black and indigenous people. That's Absolutely. correct. Right? That's and, correct. It, and, and for the world to, to know and to understand now that in the, in the early 1900s, there were lynchings still. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily of black folks, but Mexicans. Yeah. Most yeah. definitely. Right. And so people need to also know that history. Um, we got to talk about Cinco de Mayo and how Cinco de Mayo isn't a, a, a celebration <laughs> of alcohol. Exactly. But it's a celebration of, number one, an indigenous president in Mexico that stopped the biggest military force in the world, the French at the time, who, if they would have lost during the 5th of May, if they would have lost that battle, the French would have gone all the way up to the northern parts of Mexico to support the South because the French were trying to, they were buying cotton from the South. Of course. So, yeah. the con- mm-hmm. so that was their bottom line. That was, that was the bottom line for them. So had Mexico not stopped the French, we possibly could have had a different story when it came to the Civil War. Exactly. That's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. I would even go as far as say this, and, and I'm, I'm blunt when I say shit like this, but I believe that the black community needs to take that story into the black community. Yeah. I don't think Mexicans need to come into the black community to talk about that. I think it's black folks that need to understand, know, know that as part of the, the history of the United States. Right, right, I'm, right. No, I absolutely, brother. I, I absolutely believe that, you know, and, and to me, Omeka, what, what you're speaking on, brother, is like the the constant pushback on these master narratives mm. Correct. that become, you know, uh, these master narratives that have become the master's narrative, right. you know. And, right. And, 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 you know, to me, I learned, you know, the whole concept of, the importance of a counter narrative, you know, through studying, you know, CRT and, you know, recognizing that, oh, wait a minute, that's why, you know, my parents were telling me, mm, yeah, this is what they taught you in, in middle school and grade school, but th- this is the real history here around, you know, Thanksgiving and, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I like certain, certain holidays growing up on, my parents were like, mm, we don't celebrate it like, like that it was a whole different context <laughs> and it was and i was like why wait what do you mean there's different content you know as as a top you know as a as a child you you know you're not really i'm not i wasn't really grasping at the time but as i got older i was like oh shoot that that's what y'all meant <laughs> right, right, right. my dad was like yes we were trying to tell you the whole time <laughs> you know i'm glad you you awakened to that now right, right. you know but he, but they were you know and i realized that wow. they just really trying to put a different context because my mother being in education she was like yeah i know what they about to try and indoctrinate you on and we're not having it here so that's, yeah that, that <laughs> what a what a privilege man to to be able to have that like that's 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 a beautiful thing, and that's that's what I'm saying is like that. Wow, that's crazy. That's dope, you know. Because yeah. you all know, <laughs> some of us grew. <laughs> we don't grow up with that in the house. Yeah, you know, nah, I, yeah. Yo, yeah. you you take your ass to work right now. <laughs> yeah. you know, like my my mom, my parents were on some like, okay, you're done with high school, good. Now take your ass to work type of thing. You right. feel me? Mm-hmm. So it's just, those narratives at home, man. It's 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 a real thing. That's why I always talk about that home and safety and and mm-hmm. and, and and sense of belonging and, and and feeling good in your own skin. Because how can we walk away? How can we walk outside of the world if we don't have that yet? With right. the expectation of being that outside, mm-hmm. it's that's a difficult thing to do. Definitely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And circling back around, just sort of the, the topic to the topic of hip hop, and you know, we are celebrating its fiftieth anniversary. How do you think the messages and themes in the music have changed over the years? And like, do you think the essence of hip hop as a platform has kind of been preserved? Do you think that 
like uh, the the social commentary aspect of it has been maintained, or do you think a lot of that's been commodified for the mainstream? I'd I'd really just like to hear like kind of where you stand on that. Yes, 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 and yes. Yes, so all of it, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of mm-hmm. it has happened. Yeah, right? yeah. hip hop is now pop culture, mm-hmm. and with with that means that there's subgenres of hip hop. So we could be talking about hip-hop and not have anything in common or even be talking about the same thing or even sometimes not even the same language, bro. Right. right. And we might be speaking English. Yeah. <laughs> and, still, and still not speaking the same language. Exactly. Yeah. So so it's it's so vast that uh, I think the conversation about let's take it back to what it was, it's not there anymore. It's mm-hmm. not. Uh, hip-hop, mm-hmm. hip-hop has has grown to the extent that it's just become, it's everybody's now. It's the mm-hmm. world. It's the galaxies. Man, mm-hmm. hip hop, hip hop belongs to our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. there, and yeah. and our ancestors are everywhere. Mm-hmm. So then that means that everywhere that people are that get connected to that spirit and that ancestor, mm-hmm. that hip hop is gonna come out that different because they're that different. So I'm no longer having that conversation with people. I'm more about ensuring that the Let's say the fifth element of hip hop, right? The knowledge of the self knowledge, yeah. is very much consistent with everything that is done under the name of hip hop. Yeah. Um, fashion. Mm-hmm. It's a big uh, part. Whatever. The Kardashians. <laughs> some people are saying they're hip hop. Mary J. Blige is, is hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Right, absolutely. So yeah, that's that's absolutely. Question. <laughs> right. So then so <laughs> Back in the 90s, you ask somebody, is Mary J. Blige hip hop? Hell no. Yeah. Hell no. Right? Because it's not a very specific yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. She's that's not a ra- good point. She's not rapping. So right. what's, what's up with that, right? Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, uh, what's up with this? Nas over here trying to sing. Uh, what's up with the Nicki Minaj over here singing? Is she a singer? Is she a rapper? Mm. You feel me? So there's those conversations were very much real, existed and actually separated people back in the day. Mm. Right. Early 2000s, these conversations were like, either you are or you're not. Right. You, know, uh, you get, I was talking about Joan Morgan in my in my session, right? Yeah, the, right, the, right. Um, a, a feminist hip-hop scholar, right? Yeah. Uh, she, I love it because she talks about fucking with the greys and that's, mm-hmm. that's, 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 to me, that's real talk. That's, yeah. All the all the jargon of 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 around race and ethnicity and, and equity and all of that gets erased when you say I want to I want to stay in the gray area I want to fuck with the grays because I want I want Lil Kim to exist in the same space that Lauren Hill existed mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because they both have the same narrative we have the same relationship to the systems of power and control that it has caused us to now manifest our own experience in this way so Lil Kim Nicki Minaj Cardi B hypersexualization are they practicing it through their own agency is the question not whether or not that is yeah. good or bad Absolutely. but whether or not they have their own agency yeah right. that's that's the important part because that's, that's the free piece. that's the freedom part right? right the other one is the expectation part mm. and the expectation part comes from a very patriarchal placement uh, yeah. yeah which means that we're bringing into the fold colonialism into something that is anti-colonial by default yep. which is yeah. hip-hop I would wow. never want to have that conversation with 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 women. Mm-mm. That that that's not a, it's it's however you want to show up, but is it your own agency? Exactly. And do you have information to back up that agency that's going to get you in a place that's holistically mm-hmm. healthy for you? Okay. Yeah. And then we get Lauren Hill on the other side, who says that shit. You know, she don't say this, but I'm saying the people who argue on behalf of Lauren Hill mm-hmm. on some like that's not cool. Yeah. This is doing that and the other right, and so that's taking away agency from this idea of even sexuality and mm-hmm. how women show up. Right. So, 
take that conversation into the Latinx community. Yeah. Yo, you can't be rapping in Spanish. Yeah. Well, fuck you too. Yeah. <laughs> Here it goes. Right. Right. And then it goes in Spanish to the point where it's like, damn, I don't know what you're saying, but I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I go like this. Look, I listen to mumble rap. I don't know what they're saying either, but I like some of it. Yeah. Right. So we're on the same. We're, we're on the, the same, same page, about, same it. page about it. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's that's. And I think that's that's probably the the lens, even when talking about and using examples like the ones you use, particularly when we talk about things like masculinity and, and, and patriarchy, but even race and racism. And it's like, you know, the gray area is the area where like, okay, how do, how do we choose to, you know, promote and, you know, the agency of someone, mm. you know, who maybe, you know, I wouldn't do it, mm. <laughs> you right, know, right, right. I wouldn't do it, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going like, as long as they doing it out of their own liberation right. and, f- and from their own liberatory space, right? Okay, right, yeah. all right. But if they not doing it from that part, from that part, then I then I have a little whole lot of questions. Then on that, we go into we go into <laughs> that we go into that street we go into the street mentality, which is also a beautiful one, right? Which is like, yo, I don't know who you are. Yeah, you're showing me this right here, but I don't know how you got to that. Mm. And if I see this the, the industry making decisions for you and this is how you're showing up, I don't know if that's you. Right. So I don't know if I can support. I don't know if I can back you up. I, I like you as a person, but that's about as far as it you can gotta go. You got to see the journey. Yeah. I got You got to see the journey, yo. You got to jump on sometimes because mm-hmm. otherwise it's, you're going based on what? We got a system. We got a system out there. We got an entire industry, a music industry, that is controlling the narrative around hip-hop. That's why hip-hop became pop. That's sure. why we got Bad Bunny now being mainstream. That's why we got Drake being mainstream. We got, mm-hmm. That's why we don't have J. Cole with being a Drake, even mm-hmm. though even though J. Cole, we he's could big, but we, he's not Drake. In, he's in not Drake. Mainstream. And maybe that's because of his own agency. That's his own desire mm-hmm. right. to want to be like that. And yeah. if it is, man, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So yeah, that's 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 where we're at. I think the conversation around hip hop is is really more about agency as beyond this idea of aesthetic now, yeah. or what we're supposed to talk about versus what we're not supposed to talk about. Which is also, I would I could for example I could see. The old school, the old school heads, or even more somebody like Professor Griff, who says mm-hmm. like, "Well, we got to stay in tune with what the message is," and I would, I would one hundred percent agree with it. I would only, I would only try to learn how, not the what, but the how. Right. People are projecting out that message because it may not be the same. Right. It may not be the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like to be respectful of your time, and I know we're, we're kind of pushing it, but um, let me let me ask you just two more questions nah just one man just one we <laughs> can do that go ahead, go okay ahead. okay no, all right good. um so the first i got one question that's a little more serious and one question that's a little not but the first question that i'm gonna ask and this is a question we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is so the the title of this podcast is dismantling the ivory tower mm-hmm. and i want to know what that means to you like just the just that dismantling the ivory tower what does that mean to you personally it means a uh, long-term, long-term work. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. I like that. Short and sweet yeah. answer. Mm-hmm. Now, my second question is: This is what we're gonna end off on. <laughs> is being that we're celebrating the 50-year anniversary of hip hop, going through all that culture, all that history, all these artists. If you could collaborate with any artist from the 50-year history of hip hop to send a mm-hmm. message to society, 
Who would that be and, and, and why? Any artist, dead or alive? I got like 60 songs in my house, though, that are not released. You're talking to an artist that spends time, and I've thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any any artist, you said? Any artist. Any oh. artist. Okay, so Nina Simone would be one, mm-hmm. for sure. She'd at least be on the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a there's a singer. Her name is Mercedes Sosa okay. Argent- from Argentina. Okay. It's one of the most beautiful voices. And this woman was uh, exiled from her country for oh, the work that shit. she did with her music. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mercedes Sosa. So um, if I could have both of them, and the song would probably be like a five-part five song, like yeah. Define. Yeah, okay. Five minutes. Yeah, I see that. All right, so uh, I probably have five different people on there. Yeah. <laughs> Kendrick would be the next one. Of course. The only thing about Kendrick is I would I would want to have a conversation with Kendrick. Yeah, And absolutely. this is, I'm putting it out in the, I'm putting out into the ether right now, into the world right now, because there's a thing about Kendrick that is very L.A. Mm-hmm. from the, uh, you know, we talk about the master's narrative. Right. Uh how how the Chicano experience shows up in LA mm-hmm. and how blackness shows up in LA is potent. Right. It's very potent. Yes, it is. And so and so at times there's friction. Mm-hmm. So with Kendrick, I wonder I wanna know his take on the Latinx community. I wanna know what his experiences were growing up because he grew up in an environment that <clears throat> was around a lot of Mexicans probably. Yeah. And so um that he centers his blackness holistically in the way that he does. Uh, makes me think that either he is 100% in tune with the Latinx community or there is friction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song that he has. I think it's, it's a feature where he raps in Spanish or it's on one of his albums where he raps like in part in Spanish. Mm. Okay. Uh, let me try to think. I got the verse. Okay. It's with the Schoolboy uh, school Q. Yeah, I love Schoolboy Q. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forget the song. I forget the song. Collard, oh, it's on Collard Yeah, Collard Greens. Yeah, it's Collard Greens. Yep. So even what he says in that, in the Spanish thing, you know, pendejo, da, 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 cabrón. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get it. Dun, 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 dun. So he's, you know, he's taking the words that normally Mexicans would say in L.A. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to, to know right. where, where that comes from. Yeah, where he stands on that. Yeah. But the, most definitely I would want to have Kendrick. And if the conversation <laughs> is dope, I would tell him, yo, what do you think about me just teaching you some Spanish so that you can flip that shit in Spanish? You know, yeah. it's like your verse or something. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh. Yeah, he'd be dope. Yo, Latirix, y'all know about Latirix? I um, don't. From the Bay Area? I don't know. It's a, uh-uh. I believe it's a, he's he's Asian American. I don't know if he's Japanese American. His name is Lyrics Born. Okay. He's got a, uh. he's got a raspy, low toned, super soulful voice. He does a lot of like funk music. Okay. Um, and then there's another cat named Latif, the Truth Speaker. That's I've heard of Latif. I've heard of Latif, the Truth Speaker. I believe he's Puerto Rican or half half Puerto Rican, half. Uh, Half black, half white, or Puerto Rican. I believe he said he's Puerto Rican. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But he ha- he he's actually my favorite rapper. More okay. than Kendrick. Okay. More than J. Cole. More than anyone else. That that dude, Latif, mm-hmm. he he got something now and he had he had it back then. Mm. And I, I encourage people to listen and listen to Latirix. Absolutely. Yo. They got a track, yo. Now we're talking about aesthetics. You're not gonna get me off the podcast if we start talking art. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> like, no. They got they got this one, they got this one track called Latirix. It's mm-hmm. her title track. It's left and right. So if you turn if you turn your pan to the left, you're gonna hear Latif. If you turn it to the right, you're gonna hear lyrics born. That's wow. Cool, if you man. put it, if you put it in the right middle, in the middle there's a harmony, huh? You hear both of them and they're in 
they're in sync, yo. Wow. I got to okay. hear that. Yeah. No, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You just put me on. So now let me show you the lineage, all right? Let yeah. me show you the lineage. Project Load, mm -hmm. Los Angeles, South Central Los Angeles, Freestyle Fellowship. Um, like, beautiful, right? Yeah. Then you got you got Lyrics Born, you got Latif, you got Latirix. Latirix is part of a crew called Quantum Projects. Okay. Quantum Projects had Black Alicious, Gift the Gab, he passed, yeah. passed away recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, may he rest in power, yeah, rest may in he power. Rap, rap in power. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so he was part of that, and so was DJ Shadow. DJ Shadow, if, if y'all don't know DJ Shadow, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a white dude, he's a, he's a DJ, been putting in work since since the 90s. He just recently connected with Run The Jewels. Y'all know yeah, Run The I Jewels. Yeah, I know Run The Jewels. LP, Killer I mean, Mike. Yeah. They got collabs. Mm -hmm. DJ Shadow was the producer for Latirix. Okay. Or uh -huh. one of. Full circle. Okay, so yeah, there's that's that lineage, yo. Mm -hmm. So these are these are MCs that most people didn't didn't hear because they didn't, you know, they didn't have that one song or they told the industry, now nah, we're good. Yeah. Right. right. I, that's what happens. I'm I'm that guy. I'm told I told the industry I'm good. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm keep my lane. I'm not trying to do what y'all are trying to have me, <laughs> have me do. Right. I'm happy where I'm at. We're good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. wow. There you go. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, I think that was a, that was a great episode. Yes, sir. To conclude right there. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> nice, nice, brother. Nice. Yes. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. shout out to y'all, man. Hopefully, I'll see y'all out there soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Peace, everyone. <laughs>